thank you for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. Welcome to the discipleship class. Uh, We're on topic 22, and uh, that particular topic deals with solitude and silence. I love the subtitle of this lesson. It's entitled, Learning to Quiet Your Soul. Boy, in the days that we have that's been going on with all the rioting, and with all the anger and the screaming and the yelling and the rhetoric, a little bit of silence can go a long way. So this lesson to me is well, well uh, deserved and ready to, to be taught. How do you quiet your soul? Um, you know, Sometimes, if you've ever been around children, especially in a daycare center or something like that, one child is is in there, and all of a sudden, they get homesick, and they start crying. And the teacher says, what's wrong? I want my mommy. And the next thing you know, the rest of them are all yelling and screaming and crying. They want their mommy. So... Sometimes in life, the life situations that come our way just upset our soul. And we have to learn at times how to quiet our soul. This is taken from Isaiah 30, verse 16. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength let's pray together father god i pray that as we look at this lesson today that we may be able to uh, reach into our hearts and realize your greatness your kindness to us your strength that you give us and the help, your presence in our lives. And Father, that, that we may learn to quiet our souls, to be able to, to rest and to be able to find strength in your word and to be able to be quiet. Be with us, Lord, and teach us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's two things that are true. Number one, we are the most connected generation ever. Um, My my phone is constantly vibrating. It vibrates with texts from people. It vibrates with phone calls from people. And I'll get news alerts from people. I'll get weather reports from people. And it's just constantly, constantly going. We are the most connected generation ever. And 
Secondly, ours is the loudest culture in human history. Have you ever thought of that? We are the loudest culture in human history. And recent events that's been going on, we, we realize how loud, you know, the, the media captures that loudness. And think about it. We, we have smartphones that can do about everything but serve us cappuccinos. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker or anything like that, so that doesn't bother me. I drink tea, and, uh, but we are a wireless society of technology. We stream movies, we stream music, we stream news, everything from the internet, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We go into work and uh, we, we have problems if the internet is down. I remember at one job I had, I used to go to the um, McDonald's so that I could connect with the internet. If you sit down in a coffee shop, the internet is there. You can listen to your favorite band. You can FaceTime with your grandkids or your children or a friend. And uh, it may be clear across the country. You can text back and forth. I mean, no problem. But there is a cost for all of that. What is all this noise doing to our souls? Are we addicted to noise? I, I, I think sometimes people are addicted to news. They're addicted to noise. And this constant connection, they have to be connected. But is it hurting our connection with God? I, I believe that there's nothing more noisy than news. Wow. And it would and be so different from one network to another or from one cable network to another cable network. It, it, it's a, here's another thing that's true. As we follow Jesus to know him and his teachings, and as we grow to become more like him in character, we must also do the things Jesus did. We've got to engage in holy habits, spiritual disciplines. Now, that doesn't mean we don't think about what we're doing, but it has to be natural for us. And two of these holy habits that we're looking at today is solitude and silence. Now here's what the Bible teaches us about these two things, solitude and, and silence. Let's look at solitude. Do you know solitude was a top priority in the time of Jesus? You say, yeah. Look carefully at these scriptures. The first one's taken from uh, Matthew 14, 23. And if you want to 
turn to your Bibles, you can do that, or if you have your book with you. It says this in Matthew 14, I'm sorry, Matthew 14, 23. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone. You stop and think about the life of Jesus, don't you? What a busy life. Talking to people. Talking to people over and over. Preaching. Healing. Reaching out. Going from village to village. Uh, recently, with the pandemic, we've noticed that the health officials have been very hoarse, you know, or if you're looking at politicians when they go on the road to campaign, they get very hoarse. I, I've often wondered if Jesus got hoarse at times. But he went by himself to pray, to talk to his heavenly Father. And he was there alone. Now here's the second one. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, Jesus liked to talk to his father in places where he could be alone with his father. That's Mark 1.35. Here's another verse of scripture, Luke 9, 18. Once when uh, Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, Jesus had that private time, but the disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say I am? So there were times even that in the the, the prayer life of Jesus he he may have been around people but he was in private with God John 6 15 you know the crowds when they had been fed they wanted to make Jesus king and because they had gotten a free meal meal they had received this manna from heaven if you so want to say this food by miracle of the loaves and fishes but Jesus knowing in John 6 15 Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself Dietrich Bonhoeffer a preacher during the time in Nazi Germany said we are so afraid of silence that we chase ourselves from one event to the next in order not to have to spend a moment alone with ourselves in order not to have have to look at ourselves in the mirror have you ever known people that are just so busy that they almost drive themselves nuts. So 
What conclusions do you draw from these verses in, about Jesus? You know, when you get down to it, Jesus has a practice in his earthly life, <coughs> pardon me, that we need to look at. So, solitude is a retreat, whether it's done for a short time, a long time. It's a retreat or moving away from people and the distractions of modern life. It's that choice that, that you're going to withdraw, that, that you're just retreating from your to-do lists, or, uh, and you can enter into this environment where you can focus undivided attention on your heavenly Father in heaven. And you can listen to him because the noise has stopped. You know, when the Bible emphasizes uh, solitude, it doesn't just mean being alone. It means being alone with God. You're never alone when you're with God. But that's important for three reasons. Number one is that uh, solitude is preparatory. Now, what do we mean by that? Time alone with God strengthens us so that we can serve him and we can face life challenges. Do you know, Jesus spent almost six weeks alone in the wilderness. It was five uh, weeks and, and five days, almost six weeks before he began his public ministry. Why did he do that? His solitude was preparing him. Now, he wasn't alone. Satan was tempting him. But it is an important thing to realize that, that solitude helps us prepare for life's challenges. Now, what are your own devotional life habits? I can't answer that question. Only you can. What, what do you have in place for your devotional life? And have you ever experimented with extended times of silence or a silent retreat? I mean, what was that like? There's simple ways to find solitude. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, you know. You, can, you, you just need a few minutes of time alone with God. And uh, here's some tips. Set your alarm to go off 30 minutes before others in your household. If you're a mother, boy, that's a hard thing to do because the minute those kids are awake, it gets noisy. Or if you're a mother, this to me would really be hard. Stay awake for 30 minutes after everyone else has gone to bed 
Well, by the time everyone else has gone to bed, you're exhausted, aren't you? <laughs> or if it's safe to do so, take a walk around your neighborhood after dark. I wouldn't do that. But find a nearby park and claim an unused park bench. Sometimes you can just sit and observe. Or if you have a guest room, go in your guest room. Uh, at work, take advantage of the empty room that might be in, at your workplace. Or I, I like at times when, when I worked at a music store to just go in my car and take my lunch. Or, you know, just whatever you can do. One of the things Carol and I enjoyed doing was uh, walking at a mall. You can do that by yourself or sit in your uh, deer stand or uh, duck blind or fishing camp or how about borrow a friend's house who's on vacation. <laughs> you decide to move in. <laughs> You leave the kids at home with dad, right? <laughs> or go to your bedroom and lock the door. I love the, the commercial where the uh, mom is relaxing in a, uh, a tub of suds and water. and She's just relaxing, dreaming. And the kid comes knocking at the door, mom, mom. And she changes her voice to sound like dad. Or sit on the back porch on a rocking chair. I've always had jokes about that, that when I get old, I'm going to buy me a good rocking chair on, and we'll sit on the porch and rock. Well, now I kind of look forward to that. That wasn't such a bad idea. Or you slip into a church or a chapel during the week. It, Jesus gave us these examples in his life. He got up early. He had that quiet time. He had an appointment with God. And it's an important spiritual exercise to get your bearings and to face what is going to come your way, to prepare yourself. Solitude is, is preparatory. Now, here's the second thing. Solitude is revealing. I mean, when we are so engaged with people, handling all the tasks at home, at work, uh, you can kind of become obsessed with what others think. And so our mind begins to get cluttered. Well, am I coming across all right? Did they, they notice me or... Did they like me or did they consider me charming, funny, an intellect, a, a competent? Am I doing everything on my to-do list? Does God see me as a failure? And you become surrounded by people and trying to get their attention and acclaim. And our mission can be derailed or morphed instead of being our authentic selves the imagined conscious goes on and we want to play to the crowd or wear masks 
You know, in solitude, all that stripped away. Ben used to do, our son used to do wilderness camp. And what he loved about wilderness camp was that the, the girls could no longer work around their, their makeup. All of that was just stripped away. They were who they were. There was actually no one around to impress and no one to fear. And it is revealing. It's just us. And the one who knows us through and through and the one who loves us full and completely, just as we are. Well, sometimes solitude forces us to deal with the temptation to find significance in unhealthy ways, you know. Uh, it makes us deal. God loves us, though, unconditionally, doesn't he? No matter how we failed, he loves us. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, you haven't, you haven't really failed. And you'll find that he still loves you. He's helping us stand up again. He's reaching down just like he did with Peter, helping us get out of the water because we took our eyes off of him and we began to sink. So here's some discussion questions. Is the thought of solitude exciting to you? Excruciating or something in between? Why, why is that? Some people do not like to be alone. You know, in, in recent years, researchers and writers have shed light on different personality types. For example, being a, an introvert, you know, someone who, who's not outgoing, versus being an extrovert, someone who is. Well, which are you? Could that be one clue as to why you either enjoy or hate solitude? So it is revealing about us. Have you ever met someone that just has to be in the limelight no matter where they are? They have to be up front. Solitude can reveal things about our character. Well, solitude is, uh, can also bring about a restoration. It can restore us. It's restorative. John Wesley said, Here then I am. Far from the busy ways of men, I sit down alone. Only God is here. Do you ever get really tired and confused? And you're wondering who, who we really are. Sometimes you've got all these voices pulling at you. And when you withdraw from that crowd, you can tune out all the other voices and hear the one that matters the most. In 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a 
great example of the rest, uh, restorative power of solitude in the life of a prophet by the name of Elijah. His ministry during this time was extremely stressful. He had done a battle at Mount Carmel where he had faced down hundreds of false prophets. And the king was not happy with Elijah. And his wife, by the name of Jezebel, wanted to kill Elijah. Listen to this story. When King Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife the queen, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. That's the false god. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the god strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. I always thought that was interesting. Here he had defeated all of these false prophets. He has proven that God is supreme. And he has worked so hard. And this is probably why he was afraid and he fled for his life. He was tired. It was a weak moment. He went to Beersheba, a town in, in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went all alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down <clears throat> under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, kind of an interesting story. The sound that Elijah heard in that 12th verse 
that gentle whisper. It's also translated as a low whisper, a gentle blowing. What exactly do you think he heard in this solitary place? What do you think he heard? Now, when you've spent time alone in the presence of God, how have you sensed him speaking to you? If you've never sensed God speaking to you, what are other ways God gets your attention in a gentle whisper? I will never forget going, living in Tennessee and going to Roan Mountain. We had gone to Roan Mountain right after a snowfall. And it was one of those snowfalls that wasn't a big snowfall. And it would be gone in a, a day. And as we were up there, we could hear the snow melting. And you could hear it passing through the branches of the tree. I've, I've heard that before. And I've always sensed that God is that little, little voice that talks to me. Satan can get pretty loud. Now, every once in a while, God will use a two-by-four. I'm not saying that. But many times he uses that gentle whisper. Now, what does the Bible say about silence? Okay, solitude is a good thing, but what about silence? You know, that's the absence of noise and commotion. Uh, it is a discipline to have silence. Uh, we get away from the ruckus of the TV from music, from conversations, podcasts, social media, uh, the emergency at home where the kid is crying over something very small. Or the discipline of that silence is making a deliberate choice to enter into the quiet. Once again, instead of filling time and space with words, we listen attentively. We do so because, as Solomon wisely noted, there is a time to be quiet and a time to speak. You know, we, we have to teach children that, don't we? They, left to their own devices, they would be noisy all the time. In music, you have notes that you play, but there are also rests. And those rests can be just as important as the sound of a particular pitch or note. The silence is deliberate and gets our attention. Consider these passages from the Psalms and from the prophets that emphasize the important role um, being quiet plays in our spiritual life. Here's one from Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. 
or Psalm 131 too. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. But the Lord, how about this one in Habakkuk 2.20? But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Or Lamentations 3, 25 through 29. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence. For the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in face in the dust there may yet be hope well take five minutes to sit quietly maybe with these verses slowly carefully simply read them several times and let the God's word wash over you listen attentively Attentively. And, and when you're done, maybe put some things on paper. Here's some things to think about. How can noise, talking, busyness actually be addictive? Uh, my wife always says, I can't sit still. And I do have a hard time sitting still. But how can you stop instinctively turning on the t television when you walk in the house or turning on the radio when you get in your car how difficult would it be for you to go a half day without speaking or without immersing yourself in music and noise do you think there there might be an occasion when it's appropriate to withdraw even from written words can a person what does sitting in silence make you feel? Can you name it? At camp, you know, many of the kids have their phones taken away for a while. They have, and they go and enter a totally different world without all that technology. So, multiple times in the Gospels, Jesus uttered, the odd catchphrase, whoever has ears, let him hear. Well, like Matthew eleven fifteen. What do you think he meant? Why is listening such a big deal in spirituality? Well, let's cultivate the habits of solitude and silence. Retreating, withdrawing, disengaging, unplugging, disconnecting. To be with God for restoration, renewal, a fresh perspective. Giving solitude and silence, quiet stillness, a focus on God in one's heart. And then returning 
re-entering, re-engaging, reconnecting to be with others for the purpose of loving and serving. And then in the everyday life, the noise, the busyness, the distractions, a focus on people and tasks, and then start over on the retreating, the withdrawal. I mean, we need to be around people, that's for sure. That we need to witness to people, we need to, to love people. So, here's some simple things. Instead of staying glued to your smartphone all day and every day, put it away for short periods of time. See if you can go an hour without it. Then two or three. Put away your to-do list. If, I know if something's undone, I get a little obsessive about it. But don't judge your worth to God on the basis of how much you accomplish. That's hard for me. Because I am a task person. And I like to accomplish things. But don't punish yourself that way. Turn off the electronics. Protect your time with God uh, from other and other, other people's demands. Resist the urge to immediately turn on the radio when you get in the car. How about use the time to memorize a verse of scripture? Sharpen your listening skills. And when someone starts talking to you, or ask them so that you can, can gain skill in listening. Spend an evening with no television. And get up a little bit earlier. Find a solitary place to pray. And, and be like Samuel. You know, Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So get away. Take a walk in the woods. Devote a Saturday morning, a Sunday afternoon to the woods or whatever. Take a break. Even from podcasts or online sermons, sit quietly with your Bible. Let God's Word and the Holy Spirit talk to you. Sometimes when we study the Bible, we don't allow God to talk to us. Declare 24-hour electronics fast. No gadgets. Carve out time with God. No words necessary. So, how do you apply these truths to your life? Well, first of all, memorize Isaiah uh, 30, 15. Go ahead and, and memorize this, this verse of Scripture that says, this is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So, read this, you know, study on it. And there was a, a, a 17th century French monk's attempt to maintain quiet awareness of God in a, in a book called The Practice and Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. So, put 15 minutes away. Pick a Bible verse about trust, and there's some verses here like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
or hope, Psalm 31, 24, or resting in God, God, Psalm 62, 5 and 6. Read it slowly to yourself, thinking about the phrases. And whenever other thoughts crowd in, repeat the verse in your mind. You know, sometimes it's hard to focus, isn't it? And that's exactly what Satan wants. Because when we're quiet, we can focus and we can listen to God. Well, I hope you have a great week. And may God help you as we apply this lesson to our lives that he may be glorified. We'll bless you and have a great day.